Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. You see, when I look at the storyline as it unfolds today, I realize a couple of things. We can't do it without each other. I need you. I need my brother. I need those prayers. I need those moments where you go, oh, hey, I I need to pray for Pastor Mark. And and you know what? You need him as well. And the beauty in it is we're better together. We're, We're not going through this life alone. That there's something beautiful about the journey for the body of Christ. That's, that's the wondrous part of this faith walk is that we don't have to do it alone. We talked about last week about leaving no man behind. And here's what we know to be true. The Bible says that we're to comfort others wherewith the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by God. It's a lot of words there, right? But basically saying this, when God has brought comfort into your life, that you went through that hell on earth moment, you went through that, that defaming moment, you went through that hopeless moment, you went through that moment of loss and great degree of hurt. Guess what? Not just so God could see what you could handle, he, went, he took you through that so that it would become the trial of your faith that he says is more, more worth than the gold that perishes when tried by fire. Why? Because when we come out of, it, guess what? You're going through something today, God's going to bring you out. But as he's bringing you out, he's got somebody else in mind. I want to bring you a message today entitled The Walk, Picking Up Your Cross. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to two passages this morning. Galatians chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9. Galatians chapter 6, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia, and he's really unpackaging this storyline of what it truly means to be part of that body. A lot of things happen in Galatians, and of course, in chapter 5, verse 1, he's talking about standing fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free, and to not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage, that that the Bible says that if the Son will set you free, you'll be free how? Indeed, entirely, all aspects of your life, and I believe with all of my heart that there's somebody sitting here today that needs freedom from a moment and, and a situation that you're in. God wants to set you free from that. He wants to give you value. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you breakthrough. It's not just some religious jargon that we're talking about. It's a real person, a real relationship, a real breakthrough, a real new beginning, a real true freedom in him entirely. And man, he can turn that thing on a dime. We've said this many, many times, and I believe that would be true before I read this. I believe we all have that, that God-sized hole, that void in our heart. Much like when, when God created the universe in Genesis, guess what he did? He said there was, there was void and darkness over the deep, and then he spoke life into it. Let there be, and there was, out of nothing. And today he can speak that same life over your situation where there's void. He can feel that. And, and here's what I believe to be true today, and many of you believe this. He is the only one that can fill that void. It's not found in a bottle. It's not found in a relationship. It's not found in a child or a husband or a wife or a job or money. In fact, all those things can bring us great degrees of happiness and joy. But guess what? They can also, in times of loss and hurt, they can bring us great degrees of tragedy. But God will never fail you, never leave you, never forsake you. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's always there. Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. We're going to flip back and forth, but I want to lay this out as a framework for this morning. Listen to what he says. He says, brothers or brethren, he said, if a man be overtaken in a fault or a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness or gentleness. 
It's very important that you understand that word, that we have a duty and a responsibility. May I add a privilege to go and help someone in a fallen state, but we do so in a spirit of meekness, not in a sense of piety, as if, hey, I have arrived. I, I have all the answers. I love what Pastor David says. You know, we're, we're not a church that has it all figured out. And matter, matter of fact, can I say this? There's not one. But I do believe we're a church that's chasing after God's heart. And I do believe that we're chasing after God's mandate and not just a bunch of man-made do's and don'ts, but a bunch of wills and wants that God can change my will today. He can change what I want and desire. And it's greater than anything I've ever fathomed. But he said this. He said, do so in a spirit of gentleness. Why? You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. When I said that, some of y'all are going, he's talking about me. I'm, I'm spiritual. That's me. That's me. No, no, no. That means, that means those of you who are not in that fallen state. That's really what he's speaking of. And how many of you know you're just like one simple decision from being in the same place that they're in? How many of you know that? I hope every hand in the room goes up. We're all one decision away from that same fall. But watch what he says. Considering, as you help them, considering yourself, lest you also fall into temptation heard a couple one time, a lady specifically that was trying, if you will, to judge a situation of a broken marriage. And I remember her saying the word, man, I would never do that. Man, I can't believe that they're doing this, that, and the other. I can't believe they're going through that. You've heard it. It literally was not six months later, she and her husband's marriage fell completely apart. Be careful, my friend, what you say. Be careful how you look you and I look down our nose with piety and some degree of high-mindedness and, and to just somehow forget the fact that we are who we are and where we are by the grace and the mercy and the love of an almighty God. But watch what he says. He says, and I love this, bear one another's burdens as so to fulfill the law of Christ. For anyone who thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I love what the New Living Translation says. It says this, you're not that important. But let each one examine his own work. You know what that means? Keep your eyes in your own lane. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. And then this seems almost contradicting as I share with the church on Wednesday night. And he says, for each man should bear his own burden. Wait a minute, wait a minute, God. So you're telling me that you want me to bear other people's burdens, but then in verse 6 you're telling me, oh, by the way, you've got to bear your own burden. So I'm going to come back and answer that here in just a minute. And then in Luke 9, 23, let me give you this verse, and then we're going to jump right in. Luke 9 and 23 says this. You've heard it many, many times. Then he said to them all, speaking of Jesus, if anyone desires, there's the key word here. You have to have a desire, Steve. You have to have a want. You have to have some inclination within yourself to follow after the person of Jesus Christ because he will not invoke you to do so. He will not grab you by the nap of the neck and say, you're going to follow me. You're going to serve me. There has to be within ourself a, a desire, a volition within me to want want what he has promised that I can have. Any man desire to follow after me, to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would help me today to preach this word without apology, with power, rightly dividing it with truth so that you may change lives. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. The more you say amen, the quicker we will be done. Amen? 
Number one, real quickly, very quick here, I'm going to preach fast. I want you to listen fast. Number one, I believe what we need to do is we need to seek to restore others. I believe that should be the mandate of the church, don't you? talked about that last week. We don't want to leave anybody behind. Listen, when a man or woman is fallen in a place of sin, why is it so easy for the church to just kind of step over them as we do so look back? Hey, I'm praying for you. If you're praying for them, you get down there with them. You get down there and embrace them. You get down there. Listen what it says. Do so in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know what that translation means? Be mindful and careful as you see a brother or sister who has fallen and has come prey to the devil's devices and to their own will. Watch what happens. That you would consider yourself that it should provoke you to know that you too can fall if you're not careful. But if I... Do so in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. Maybe, just maybe, as I get down there with them, you start to maybe understand how easy it could be to step away from the faith, to fall. Do you know, every time I counsel a couple, and I do so with such a degree of, 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 God, just please help me to give them the words because I can't help them in and of myself. And in doing so, I, I, I listen to their story. And, man, I get in their story. And then, you know what? I can finish their story because there's nothing new under the sun. Their story is my story, and it's your story. We're all just trying to live and do the best we can and, and be married and be happy about it and, and do this whole thing. And sometimes we don't like our spouse, but we know we got to love them and that whole storyline. Don't look at me like that. You know you, don't like, you probably don't like them right now this morning, but we're praying that will happen before you leave. Some of you are like going, it ain't happening here, brother. <laughs> God can change your heart too. But listen, what you need to understand. Restoring does not mean that you're doing the fixing. The storyline is you saw it unfold, and it's true every day in our lives. And, and pastors certainly know this. Counselors know this. Teachers When we get into a situation with a person who has been overtaken in fault or trespass or sin or whatever you want to call it, when we get in there, if we ever enter into that storyline thinking, all right, look, so here's the deal. Have a seat. Throw my legs up on the chair. Let me fix your problem. That we merely add to the problem. But when we get up out of our chair, go around and, and remove, the, remove the proverbial desk block, if you will, that says, I have it figured out and you're a mess. When we move that out of the way and we go around and just get real with somebody, how many of you just want somebody to get real with you and just get down there with them and say, you know what, man, I don't have all the answers, but I'll pray for you. I'll take the journey with you. I'll believe with you. I will cry with you. Listen, when someone's fallen, they need not sympathizers. They need empathizers. They need somebody that will get, the, get in the journey with them. And, and maybe, just maybe, today you're coming out of that storm in your life, in that fallen state. And, and, and maybe this morning, let me be that, ref, that friendly reminder. As you're coming out of that, maybe you're looking back and going, Whew, glad that's over. Hey, my friend, hold on. God's preparing you for something great. And it just may be one of your friends around you who's entering into a journey and a valley that you just came out of. You see... The story that we're in is interwoven together. That's the, the beauty of the body. That if anybody at any point ever looks at somebody and goes, man, I can't believe they're doing blank, that it may very well be the very thing that comes back to attack you.
that maybe we just need to look at life and go, thank God. Every day, man, thank God for giving me a beautiful wife and a beautiful family and a beautiful church. And thank God that I'm not in that place. And thank, But you know what? Let's add to that prayer. God, send me somebody. Send me to somebody that I can help, that I can be a help to them. Because I'm not just living life in a sweet spot so that I can just be happy and content. That creates complacency, which is an enemy of faith and right living. That if I'm aware of my circumstances and I'm looking around, that my eyes are open looking for someone that I can go pray for, that I can be a part of. Listen, if that does not motivate you today to be a part of brothers and sisters' story, there's something missing in your faith journey. First John says it this way. If you say you have Christ but you love not your brother, you are becoming a liar. And if I love people... Hey, look at it this way. If it was your child, you'd be down here praying for him. If it was your child, you would get in the trenches with them, wouldn't you? But can you do it if it's somebody else's child? Hey, I got one for you. Can you do it for somebody you don't even like? True testament of love is not just loving somebody that can love you back or reciprocate that. It's loving the guy or the gal who is stinking unlovable. How many of you know somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. Y'all were throwing to raise your hand, weren't you? Oh, Mark, I know like five. Let's talk after church. I will tell you all about it. Can I tell you something? To somebody, you're unlovable. We're not so different, guys. But restoring someone does not need to be thought of as I'm fixing them. It doesn't mean that I'm superior to them. But he says, ye who are spiritual... And man, I wish I could translate that. I mean, it's like you who are spiritual that almost it creates this, this piety and self-righteousness. That's what, the, that's what the, um, the Pharisee of the day, thank God I'm not like him. You know when I say, thank God that your marvelous grace has covered me, that I'm not in that fallen state today in Jesus' name. That's my prayer. Let me just, let me throw in one little quick one-liner on this restore. Can I tell you something? And, and please hear me. If you're watching by Facebook, welcome. Thank you for being here. But can I say something? The Holy Spirit just laid this in my heart. If we are a church of Jesus Christ and we are not in the business to restoring fallen Christians and fallen people, Jesus left the 99, my friend, to go after the one. If we're not that church, shut the doors. You're nothing but a gathering. We should be going after. Man, we said that last week. You know, we talked about that. Rick, where you at, Rick? Rick, wave your hand. Rick's one of the firemen. He's right there. Listen, guess what? When, when a fire is going on and these men are fighting the fire and they hear Mayday, fallen firemen, they shut it down to go after the one. Let us be that kind of church. We're in here singing, man, and we're worshiping. Somebody comes up and go, you know, hey, you know, did you hear about so-and-so, man? They're just in a bad place right now. Guess what should happen after church? Not Peachtree. You should go to their house and pray for a brother. Eat later. Shut it down. Restoring one another. Number two, real quickly. Not only do we need to restore them, but watch this. We should help others by bearing their burdens. Have you ever been in a place where you just... Maybe you made this statement. Man, if one more bad thing happens, dot, dot, dot. If, if just one more bad thing, I mean, what else could go? Don't ever say that. Can I tell you something? 
this, this comes as a great surprise to many. It can always be worse. And I say that to anyone in this room, no matter where you are in your life. If you really want to have a pity party, pull your car up next to Job and read the book of Job, and you'll realize he lost his kids, he lost his family, he's lost his wealth, he lost his home. He ended up sitting on a pile of dung, scraping the sores on his body with a piece of pottery, and yet he says, naked come I into the world, naked shall I go out. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We should bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says this, bearing one another's burdens as so to fulfill the law of Christ, the perfect law of Christ is love. It's the perfect law of liberty. It's the, it's the fullness of why the word exists. It's the fullness for the reason that he came for God. So love that definite article. So defines love greater than just a brotherly love or an affectionate love or a familial love. He's saying for God so loved the world, Romans 5, 8, that he loved me even while I was sinning, when I was running from him, while I was cursing him, while I was a picture of the Roman soldier, when he hung on the cross, one of the seven things he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That kind of love is the love that pursues us and is perfect in every way. And watch what he says. When I love others, others can see God at no point in time because God can't be seen. He's holy and we're unholy. But when we love that way, people see God in us and his love is perfected in me. And it takes love to bear someone's burdens. No one wants more on their back. No one wants to carry a load for someone else. But bless God, if we're part of the body of Christ, I may need your back and your shoulders sometime. In Exodus chapter 17, there's a story of a man named Moses who is a picture of, of, of the Savior, if you will. It's a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He begins to mentor a young man named Joshua, which is the same word for Jesus in the New Testament, Yoshua, which means the Lord is salvation. And at some point in time, they begin to war against the Amalekites, a group of pagan believers who wanted to overtake and destroy them. And there was a point where, where Moses told Joshua, who is a man of war, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down in that, in that valley, and I want you to, to, to watch. And up on the mountain, I'm going to hold my hands up. And when I hold my hands up, I want you to attack. So Moses took Aaron and Hur and went up to the top of this great mountain. And there in Rephidim, at the valley of Rephidim, they begin to, to go into war. And, 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 and Moses holds his hands up. And as if to say, attack, attack. And, and they begin to overtake the Amalekites. But at some point in time, and if you know anything about warfare, it's kind of like the, the sound of a bugle or, or charge. At some point in time, he became weary in the journey. Watch this. Of simply holding his hands up. But by the way, that was the course of action by which they would overtake the enemy. His hands began to fall. And guess what happened? As he did, Joshua was looking back and going, retreat, retreat. And they start going back and they get overran by the Amalekites. But he wasn't lifting his hands down because he was wanting them to retreat. Guess what? He was lift, letting his hands down because he was exhausted with holding them up. So Aaron and her came alongside of him. The greatest picture of bearing one another's burdens is found in Exodus 17. Around verse 9. 
specifically 12 through 13. But Moses' hands became heavy. They took a stone and they put it under him. And he, Moses, sat upon it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, lifted them up on one side and on the other side, holding his arms up. And his hands were steady until now the going down of the sun. Watch this. So, therefore, this is the byproduct of the reason of him holding them up. Joshua defeated Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. To truly bear someone's burdens means this. To truly get underneath their heart and their burden and their journey and and to hold their arms up. It kind of becomes a prayer for me when I'm praying for people, maybe where I can't be there at that moment. You know what I do? And I pray over them. God, that I would be able to hold David's hands up in this moment, though I can't be with him. God, I'm believing you for him and with him. But if ever there's a moment physically, that I can reach under my brother's arms and, and, and embrace him and hug him. He did that a moment ago. He walked in and, and he just said something real kind and real spiritual and, and he embraced me and as if to say, I'm holding you up, pastor. And you know what? When he's up here preaching or when Tyler's up here preaching or Keith's preaching or singing, we do the same thing with him. We're praying for you. But, but when you get in a mess... Why are we so quick? Listen, we want to be there, but but we can't be there for everyone at the same time. But you can be there for each other. Bear one another's burdens. You go along somebody that's struggling, and you hold them up. The same Holy Spirit that is in me, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is the same power that's in you. And he said, greater works will you do in my name. And that's lifting up the church. That's lifting up the body. That's lifting up the people. I remember a moment when I was probably at one of my darkest states in my life. I I lived in another town at the time. And I remember a day where I was out on my back porch and, you know, had on just a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. And I I didn't work that day. And I'm just sitting on the back porch rocking. And I'll never forget, I was crying. I didn't want to talk to anybody. My phone wasn't on. It was inside. And I'm just sitting there crying. And maybe in that waddling, in that self-pity, but just rightfully so, just in a very desperate place, in a very broken state. This guy named Brandon came to my house. He pulled up, and I thought, oh, God, here, here he goes. He's going to have all these wonderful answers. You know what? Sometimes, just being honest with you, you don't want to hear all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and call according to his purpose. You with me? That's what I thought he was going to do. I thought he was going to come in and start quoting scripture, and I'm like, well, okay, praise God. Hallelujah. I don't really care right now. I'm broken, dude. You want to do, do something? Go fix me a pot pie. That's what I need you to do right now. You know what he did? He got out of his truck and he came. There was another rocking chair there and he kind of pulled it up. (laughs) And he sat down and he started rocking. He just looked out in the backyard. He reached over and he kind of tapped my hand. I looked at him and he was crying. We just stared out in the yard. Do you know that meant more to me at that moment If nothing else, I knew that he was helping me to bear that burden in that journey in that moment in my life. doesn't have to be anything outlandish. Sometimes just being there is part of the story. As the band gets ready to come back out, number three, probably one of the hardest parts of this text is it says, for each one should bear his own load, should bear his own burden. 
And Mark, I don't understand that because the previous verses talked about someone else helping me. And I, I really like that story a little bit better. But can I tell you, it's very simple. When we look at this unfolding, we realize that, it, as we call this, this series, this, this part of the sermon, I should say, is the walk. No one else can walk your walk. No one else can take your journey. No one else can be married to your spouse. No one else can go to your workplace. No one else can pay your bills. No, we can help. We can bear that burden, but we cannot take it off of you and bear it for you. So you, you and I, we have to take our own faith journey. And can I tell you something? Sometimes that gets lonely. But sometimes, listen to me, and I'm gonna, we're going to do a sermon. We've been talking about this. One of the sermons we're going to be talking about in the future is, is simply dealing with the idea of being alone. Can I tell you something? I'll go ahead and give you a preemptive strike for it. Here's what I know to be true. When God truly transformed men in the Old Testament as he was preparing them for ministry, true in the New Testament, even true for our Savior, you know, the first thing that he did was to get them alone. So they could hear his voice. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, tempted, but yet God was there. You know, the Bible says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. And that we live by faith. And that we're to finish our course. And that we're to run and to strive to the hot calling us in Christ Jesus. All of these words are action words that indicates, watch this, child of God, hear me, that you're to keep walking. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to just rhetorically answer this in your own spirit. Do you ever just feel like not going forward anymore? I sure have. Do you ever just feel like, what's the point? I mean, even in that video, here's the elephant in the room. Let's, let's say this out loud. There is no doubt that someone either listening by way of social media or perhaps, and I pray that it's not, but someone sitting in this room has thought about ending their life. Oh, Mark, you, you can't talk about that. Oh, well, hear me. The enemy's talking about that. He's telling us, hey, man, it'll be all right. It'll probably be better if you weren't here anyway. Lie from the footsteps of hell. Because merely what you have done is taking a permanent solution to a temporary problem. This too, my friend, will pass. If you just keep going, you will wake up one day and it'll be like, well, bless God, I overcame. But as you bear your own burden, it becomes overwhelming. Maybe there's that moment where you just say, God, I can't can't do this without you. God, I need you. God, speak to me. I'm not, I'm not hearing you anymore. Maybe, maybe today you're going through what you're going through just so God can do that. Just get you alone long enough to tell you how much he loves you, to tell, me, to tell you his plans that he has for you, to prosper you, not to harm you, but to take you to an expected end. If today you feel yourself kind of wiggling in your chair, You know what God wants me to tell you today? I'm talking to you. Lay it at his feet today. There's nothing too big, nothing too small. He died for it all, and he died once. But you got to receive it. you got to walk in that finished work. 
you got to pick up your cross. Not bear it on some hill in Golgotha, but maybe come to this altar today and just lay it at his feet and say, all right, I give you myself. I die to self. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What is the journey for you today? What is it that you need to do? Do you need to come today? Is it an addiction? He can take that from you. Is it a stronghold? Are you living in what you call a generational curse? He can break that thing today and give you new life and new hope. And he can bless your family to a thousand generations. Is it broken marriage? Hey, Jesus is the husband and I, the church, I'm the bride of Christ. He can restore your broken marriage. Is it self-worth? He died for you, my friend. You're worth everything to him. Is it financial? He can fix that. He can heal that. Is it just a lot of things? Maybe you're sitting there today and then I'm done. You're sitting there today and you're going, I don't even know what it is, Mark, but I am just lost. I feel like I'm just living life haphazardly at best. Today, he wants to give you purpose. How many of you can say, Mark, I know that I know that I'm a child of the Most High God. Lift your hand. Say, Mark, I know I'm saved. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I know I'm saved. Hold your hand up real high. Hold it up high. I want to look around. I'm the only one looking. Hey, you can put your hands down. For those of you that couldn't raise your hand, what are you waiting for? Well, Mark, I just got some things I got to settle out. You won't. Well, Mark, I'll do it next week. We're not promised another second. This is your moment. Pray with me right now in faith and by the mercy of In the grace of God, he'll save you and redeem you right here. At the very least, today, you walk out of here a new creature in Christ, redeemed and have heaven for a home. Pray with me right now from your heart to God. Father in heaven, I am a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, will you save me? Redeem me. Jesus, help me to live for you until the day you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that today.